We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. LL Nation, what's good? Honor Boys in the building. Yo, left, man, you know I'll be out there on the 21st on the left coast. That's right. Out there for the holiday. Um, but yo. Wait, you say, wait, you saying Thanksgiving holiday? Yeah, I'll be out there for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I get out there on the 21st. The next day I celebrate baby girl's 21st birthday. And then uh, two days, I believe two days later, Thanksgiving is the 24th this year. It's either the 24th or 23rd. I forget. But we're going to drive down on the 23rd to check uh, check Bronny out. Mm. USC is playing in the tournament down in San Diego. So we're going to get is up there. Is he playing, morning. though, or is he just on the team? I, I don't think – I don't. he probably won't play until, like, Pac-12. Because the procedure he had, they said, was successful. He didn't partake in the uh, scrimmage on last Thursday. Right. I'm like, I don't know how active he actually even is. But, you know, I still want to watch the USC squad. My boy Boogie, Boogie Ellis is still on the squad. That's my dude. Uh, the other freshman that's supposed to be good. The other guard. So I'm looking forward to it, man. And Notre Dame, by that time, should have run the table. So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, a lot of information that came out today. We're going to get right to Marcus Freeman in a couple of minutes. But as always, CFB Nation presented by. Twisted Twisted Twisted. Twisted. That's right. Hey, hey, don't forget Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Man, you can find audio edibles each and every day, courtesy of CFB Nation. And then Anora Boys, man, we're brought to you by Anora Whiskey, anorawhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure you do so responsibly i have a couple of questions before we get to marcus freeman's press conference today that's right right. so you know me i am a podcast nerd like i watch that's man i told you i rarely watch tv i'll get up in the morning and just watch nothing but podcasts i was right before we came on i was watching uh an episode of my expert opinion with mav hoffa Yep. And Eric and Eric Sermon talking about how they were out in Oakland and Paris Smith hit MC Hammer in the face mm. and they almost got into a fight. And so, man, you know, these stories always amaze me, but I don't know if you saw the latest episode of Drink Champs, though. The latest episode of Drink Champs was Manny Fresh and Juvie. Now, Manny Fresh. Juby, the hot boys, they really hit prop. You were like in what, seventh, eighth grade, sixth, seventh, eighth grade when they hit? Yep, just outside of high school. Just outside of high school. So that was like your prime. That was like when you were really starting to get into the culture and like, you know, because when you're sixth, seventh grade, you're like on the fringe of pretty much telling the world what's popping. Right. Like the 11, 12, and 13-year-olds, they they really decide what's popping in the future. So it was funny because I was listening to a story about they were about to turn in Juvie's first album. And Manny Fresh changed the beat to Ha the night before they turned it in. Mm. So it forced Juvie to change his verse. So we were literally one day from like getting a totally different version of huh. And that's a classic. 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 But that's not the question I want to ask you. They told a story about his other joint, Back That A Up. Okay. Is that not, especially in our culture, is that not the female national anthem, bro? Is there another song that gets females up? It doesn't matter. Demographic, education, it it doesn't matter. That song comes on, they all get up and dance. I'm really trying to figure out, is there another joint? Yeah, I think that's definitely a a classic anthem, uh, you could say, for... For generations up into the 2000, probably 15, 16. Now it's transitioned to all this type of music related content that's oversaturation of the anthem market for females. 
Yeah. Mm. Which I think, you know, goes back to why I don't like any female rappers, but it's just because I don't think it's the sport that I enjoy seeing women play. That's like an all women's professional football league. Yeah. And they were taking it as serious as the NFL. I just don't think I would be <laughs> as interested, you know, in watching the ticker of the Peyton Manning of the Women's Football League get traded. Yeah. You know, it just wouldn't be yeah. interesting to me. That's yeah. how I feel. That's how I view female rappers. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my second <laughs> question, I actually texted you earlier today. I had an interesting question with some of my guys. Some of my uh, my best friend from college is in town, and we were just talking, catching up. And uh, he's in uh, the financial markets. He actually works for Candy Mate now. He's a longtime employee of uh, John Nuveen and investments and everything. So we're talking. And uh, he was talking about Casamigos. And he was like, yo, he was talking about their market shares and how the production has exploded because they started out small and their projections really were underwhelming because they didn't really project to, I guess, do so well or do as well as they are in America. And he said, because of the production, they've had the up production, the quality of the tequila has dropped. And I hit you and I say, yo, does that make sense? Is that something that can happen? Like, yo, you, you kind of figure you're going to be in this area as far as a, a brand. This is going to be your marketplace, your market share. And then all of a sudden things explode and you have to produce so much more that, you know, you kind of lose the nuance of what made you great. Do you think that's something that, um, happens a lot and you're, you know, you're part of the business. And then is that something that you project, you guys project for or nor? You know, well, like, are you comfortable being like not one of the big major brands and still, you know, happy with what's popping? Yeah, I mean, you just you're happy with what you're doing. I think these are all recipes at the end of the day. And it's, it's the same as Casamigos blew up, uh, the same as how Ciroc blew up because Diddy was in the face of it. Mm -hmm. When Diddy started not being in the face of it, Ciroc didn't change their recipe. It's still Ciroc. It's still what it was from the beginning. So marketing made it taste better to certain people. The Casamigos are always a pretty, any, you know, whatever type of tequila anyway, where most tequilas and, and vodkas are pretty much made from the same place and made the same. It's just companies market the same different ways. So uh, it's always been the bottom tier of the, alcohol scale i would i would put it but you know from the perspective of uh nora i think we're expanding in and trying different spirits going into you know different markets creating the beer getting bigger in that aspect instead of just being just whiskey so i think there's a, a more creative and brighter side to that as opposed to just making only <clears throat> casamigos and people 
the marketing effect is wearing off on people. They just saying this is just some regular, <laughs> regular regular tequila. Hey man, like you said, I'm a newbie, bro. Right? I'm a newbie. I am literally the most casual of casual drinkers that you will ever see. That's right. I've, I've never tasted beer ever. My go-to drink is a mojito. Mm. Always. 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 My my dude, my best friend got me hooked on a mojito like 20 years ago, bro. And I've never, I've never left a mojito. Mm. We were actually in Miami. He was like, you got to try this. And every now and then I'll tell the bartender when I do get a drink, um, put some juice in it, chase it with some pineapple or chase it. The, the dopest one I've ever had was at, at bed. Bed NYC. I don't know if you ever been to bed NYC. I don't even know if they're open. Have you ever, you know, it was a club called Bed in New York and Miami where they actually had beds. The concept was so dope. Like you would take a girl on a date and you guys would sit on beds and you would be served drinks and food mm. on beds. And it was a big hit in New York and Miami for a long time. This was like early 2000s. This was like right before my daughter was born in 02. And the concept was huge. I don't know if it still exists, but it was like crazy, man. These clubs just kind of just took off. And uh, I had a Concord grape mojito at this spot. Best drink I've ever had. Mojito on a bed, huh? Yeah. Yeah. The place and the first of all, where the beds were was like you had it was like VIP. You had to pay for that section. You know, they had a regular bar and then like a regular restaurant, but the VIP section is like you had to pay hourly. For the whole bed set up and then you know of course the bottle service was a little bit different but the concept was amazing i don't know if it still exists but i'm sure if you google it man there's def definitely stories on bed nyc and i think bed miami those are the two places i know where they had it so just a little background a little whiskey talk to get it started make That's sure you right. go to AnoraWhiskey.com for that premium American whiskey. So, oh, there's somebody. Uh, Gino says, yo, the bed clubs in D.C. I didn't know it was one in D.C. It's a it's, club, too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, DJ, every, bro, everything. The concept was, man, the concept was Bananas. Oh, they closed the one in NYC. Okay. But yeah, this was like early 2000s, bro. It was... Uh, I remember I walked up in the joint in Miami and I couldn't believe my eyes. Mm. You know, you see a nice couple on a date chilling on an actual bed. It's like, yo, this is crazy. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. So... Notre Dame starts this run as heavy favorites. Left, I don't know how to approach this. The over-under is 45. 
and Notre Dame is a 20-point favorite. I don't how does that work? Because I expect Notre Dame to be refreshed, but I don't know if they'll be really hitting on all cylinders. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I think, no, I think we're in a good position, man. Um, for us to have such high expectations is good because we should have those of ourselves against a team like this. Uh, coming off of fresh legs, all Edric Austin coming off of fresh <laughs> legs from bye week with Aldrick Estime, I do believe that that's only a bad thing for Pitt. And it's a really good thing for us because you, you, you get better in my opinion, resting a run game, I suppose, to resting a pass game. So I know that old man, Sam definitely took a week off in a bye week as a week off in a bye week. I doubt he was out there throwing every day with receivers during the bye week, just because, you know, you do need some time off, but, Sam has probably a routine in, in those bye weeks of how to stay fresh yet not work as much because you still have a whole half a season. So I do believe that the offensive line taking a rest for a week, just not a physical beating as much, as well as Audrey getting fresh for uh, another second stretch of the season, I do believe that it's going to put the point total where it should be at a constant. And then for us, you know, getting back on track, it'll come down to Sam and receivers getting that connection back towards the second half of the game or uh, the, the second or the points after we score 35. So I think 35 is going to be the refreshed run game that's going to have an impact against Pitt. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the points are determined based on how uh, the rest of the skill players are uh, – coming into chemistry after a bye week like that. Yeah, so it's almost like I want to say take the points, but take the under. Pittsburgh don't say, don't say the under, though. No, 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 no. See, Pittsburgh, a lot of turnovers. They were able. They didn't put up a lot of points against Louisville offensively. They started their first, their new quarterback. That was his first start. He gets the win against Louisville, but the offense really wasn't that good. They really don't have a lot of explosive players. They have some wide receivers that are nice. I told you I love the defensive backs. And yeah. We'll get to them later in the week. But then they go to Wake Forest, and they're in the teens. So I'm like, Wake Forest, Notre Dame. I'm like, okay. Notre Dame might keep them out of the teens. Yeah. Which, which means – even if Notre Dame puts up 30, if Notre Dame scores 35 and they're at seven, that's the under. Yeah, true. But Notre Dame covers the 20. So, you know, man, I really expect Notre Dame to cover. Yeah. I mean, I think Notre Dame would do a good job of getting the, the points that they need. Mm -hmm. Uh Pitching a close game like that to seven points means our defense is just unbelievable this year. And no matter if we take a week off or we have an elite quarterback, you know, our defense has been pretty constant. So shout out to Al Golden for that. I mean, that's not an easy thing to, to motivate guys to tackle week after week on his on the most basis, basic level, you know. Um, so for him to be able to, Withstand that, I do believe that there's an opportunity for us 
with this defense to provide more yeah. offensive opportunities these last couple of weeks going into a possible uh, New Year's Six Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we have a – do we have a good chance? The Louisville is a good stain. Obviously, Ohio State is helping and hurting us at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because we play close with them, but how much do they count playing close with the team uh, when it matters? You know, hopefully mm-hmm. we get a good drawing for this bowl game to build off of. But it's just going back to who are we, what are we building on for? And that's why I think finding those star players this second mm-hmm. rest of the season mm-hmm. is the most important thing you can do. Because that's how you build teams off of great players. And right now, we just have a team full of good players. Lucky, lucky podcast. I think uh, you hit the point. Like, win games. Dude, Notre Dame is expected to win every game. They're going to be heavy favorites. Yeah. Pittsburgh, it, I mean, and now we know because Clemson didn't keep up their end of the bargain. It's no longer a primetime game. It's a two, a three thirty. Oh, they even changed the time on the game. They changed the time on the game. Oh, it's either it's either going to be a three thirty or a twelve thirty or oh. twelve o'clock, which means it's dude that place when it's not at night is not the same place. And Notre Dame shouldn't Notre Dame shouldn't be intimidated playing in that place anyway. Dude, Notre Dame should be a heavy favorite. The rest of the schedule. Period. Heavy favorites. And they should take care of business and be able to run the table. It's as simple as that. Style points, finding your stars for 2024 and setting 2024 up definitely should be at the top of the list. And as Marcus Freeman said today, you know, he has a focused, healthy team. And it's funny because you know what amazes me, love? Basketball teams have like what 14 to 15 guys on scholarship. Yeah. Uh, football, you have the walk-ons and the scholarship players. So it's almost like a hundred kids. Yeah. A lot of the kids went home. The, the coaches were out recruiting. They sent them home because they had taken midterms the week before. They were on break, sent them home. And the fact that all of all of the players got back on time, they had to be back Sunday at seven, and all of them got back on time. That's it's so funny, man. Like, what was that like for you scrambling to get back? Like when you guys had breaks like that. Yeah, one of the craziest experiences I've had was trying to catch a train to get catch a meeting the Sunday evening before <laughs> we started uh, started back football for the spring. Mm-hmm for our first big team meeting of the year, me and Amir was running through downtown Chicago trying to catch that one-way train back, and we had missed it. Mm. And it was like a movie. We're carrying a mattress and luggage, running through the city. I'm tired. He's tired. (laughs) I had to convince him this was a two-minute drill, trusting your quarterback for the first time. This is my first. You know, I, I was an early enrollee, so... I'm hanging with the older kids on the break before football even starts, you know, trying to build a whole relationship thing. So I'm with the mayor and we're in crunch time, crunch time situations, QB slot receiver type of work. We end up missing the train, but I had a great 
draw in the sand, last play, Hail Mary. Had a had a taxi service from a friend get us from Chicago and deliver us right in front of the goob, uh, right before the meeting. So that's how I knew I was good at two minute and I was gonna be good for my teammates in the clutch. And the rest is history. You only get stories like that right here on Lucky Lefty Podcast. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Marcus Freeman met with the media today. Right, left. Let's get right to it. And uh, he talked about his team being refreshed and uh, coming off the break. Much needed by week um, for our players mentally and physically. They needed it. You know, you think about we started this season uh, the last week of June. We started training camp and have gone straight until you know, last week. And so it was a great chance for them to um, to have a bye week and mentally uh, Wednesday after Wednesday's practice to to mentally kind of check out with fall break. But we also challenged them had to get better. So Monday's Tuesday and Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we had to practice and we had to to get after it and, and really make sure that we were um, improving at all areas of the football the game of football, but also at the areas that we've been deficient. Um, and so uh, I was really pleased with those three days of practices. And then, uh, you know, I think they'll be ready to roll uh, after a, a three-day three, three day break that they got. So um, turning the page, obviously, to a, a talented pit team that we have coming in here on Saturday. Um, obviously beat Louisville and, and, and could have won that game last week. And so um, we have to make sure we're ready to go and uh, ready to perform on Saturday. So. Marcus Freeman says, uh, and I think most people do agree, like the five was much needed. They they were physically, you know, beat up, attrition. Uh, the depth chart was being affected. Production was being affected. And, you know, most people felt like, man, it would have been nice if it, it came right before Louisville. Yeah. But. It feels like he has a fresh team to go ahead and uh, finish out this schedule. Yeah, I don't think Marcus Freeman looks at that Louisville game and thinks that, you know, if we were to play him another 10 times, we wouldn't win mm -hmm. 10 times, you know, if we had that opportunity, especially if after a bye week and then we played Louisville. I think you'll see a night and day different game, especially on the scoreboard, if we had a, a chance to play him after a bye week. Playing them when we did was just a really good opportunity for them. Tough spot for us coming off of the the long haul that we did. 
And I thought that it, it still had to take us to the wire to be able to get it done. But it was an average team that was able to get it done. So I think Marcus Freeman was glad to be able to take a break from these long weekends because they are long. Having yeah. to sit in a hotel four or five weeks in a row playing primetime night games. A it's point. a little draining, not only to your team, but to you in terms of the anxiety of keeping the team together week after week, waiting a little longer than usual, and then having to restart uh, early Monday with guys coming off of, uh, you know, you that, that recovery time adds up that you're missing playing these night games. But I do think that Marcus Freeman was able to get a good evaluation after taking a week mid-season to kind of take a step back, yeah. drink some menorah, and be like, man, that was a whirlwind. Now, to finish, it shouldn't be as difficult, but it needs to be more, I think, focused on what needs to be uh, the building blocks for moving forward, going into the bowl game, going into next year, with a focus on after all of this, who are the guys that make it happen and who are the guys that don't? Marcus Freeman had a defense last year that struggled situationally, specifically in the red zone. They really turned that 180 this year. And on the offensive side of the ball, third down, especially third and short, has been an issue all year long. It's the, yeah. the execution. It's the execution, and, and you know, we, we, we got to be better on third down, but part of being better on third down is, is being more efficient on first and second down, you know, and, and there's not just the one common theme in the last three or four games that we say this is the reason. Each game has its own different story um, that we have to continue to attack, you know, five turnovers one game, right, and, and that's a different story than, than last week. And so we have to continue to build confidence in taking shots, um, you know, especially playing the defense we'll play this week, you're going to have to take some shots and some play action shots. And, and, you know, we're continuously looking at the things we do. But the biggest thing is, is the execution. So the challenge will continuously be, hey, we have to simplify. So the execution is at the standard we need it to be. And it's not more, more, more. It's, it's clear, clear, clear. Yeah, at this point in the season, get a chance to – kind of rally to what they, we do really well as on offense and knowing that you're facing competition, you should be able to overcome. You should be able to define that offense in the weeks coming out of a break because you either adjust after a break or you get lazy and you take a step back after a break. And I think for Jared Parker in this season specifically, go back to what makes Sam's really successful find different formations to run the same play and put mm-hmm. those players that are the X factors in those specific spots where he's looking to throw the football to make it easier for us to operate late in the season when teams are starting to figure out the scheme and what we're trying to do. Because after a while, you can't fool everybody. College football's at a place they're scouting 24-7. You see how hard Michigan's working to cheat their way to the top. So for us... It's about, like Marcus Freeman said, executing on things that we're really good at. We don't have to try to think of nothing new this late in the season because it, it it's coming to crunch time where, one, we don't need it. Because mm-hmm. if we don't got enough plays we ran already to beat a pit team, then we're just not a good team. 
or we don't have good coaches, which I don't think are either one. So Jared Parker, at this point, start figuring out who you are as offense coordinator by calling your favorite stuff and, and, and forming game plans around that. It's enough film to know what guys really like and don't like, especially your quarterback. So that needs to be at a premium because at this point, these teams aren't even about them. They're about us, seriously, especially getting better, focused on the bigger picture of we're not, quote unquote, technically in playoff college contention. But you want to finish off with a good bowl game for recruiting reasons, but also to help uh, finish the year the right way to gain momentum to get better for next year. And talking about that, the LL question of the day. Has Notre Dame played national championship defense this year? Has Notre Dame played national championship defense this year? We look forward to seeing your answers in the chat. All right. The super chat is enabled once again. You have a super chat, super sticker. Feel free to go ahead and bless. Marcus Freeman was asked about Pitt's defense. That has been pretty good and has some pretty good defensive backs. This is what he had to say. Obviously, with the new quarterback, um, you really look at what they've done all season to, to now, what they're doing with the new quarterback. Similar. I mean, it's a similar offense, but, um, you know, I think the packages might be tailored towards what he does well. Uh, you know, been able to run the ball. Sebo, you know, obviously we know Sebo really well. Um, and, um, He's been running the ball really well the past couple of weeks, and, and they have some threats on the outside. And so um, it's a team that I see that's continuously getting better. Like that's what I've seen is, especially in these past two weeks, this team has gotten better um, from what they were at the beginning of the year. And so uh, we got to understand the challenge that will be presented on Saturday. I said pit defense. I meant to say pit offense, but go ahead. Love. Yeah, I've gotten better, but, you know, Marcus Freeman, should put himself in a position where he can grow as a coach in this last part of the season. I think he's learned a lot from situational football that I think in these last games with them being not cupcakes, but should wins, not a must win or should wins, that Marcus Freeman should really dig into his coaching bag and, and define who he is as a coach on a head coaching level. We know what he's like in the locker room and we know what he's like as the face of a program. But as a coach, we would like to see the more identity and, and more uh, forthright aggressiveness on things that you feel really good at. I think, you know, some of the things were forced yeah. like going for fourth and three on our own, what, 40, 35. Like, <laughs> I don't think that was a decision we really wanted to do. But I think finding the authenticity of how you bring it all together in these last games will show really good for how we can finish the year strong going into a bowl game, which I think is more of a must win for him in the confidence sense that he's on the right track still, even though losing those games that I think a lot of people really wanted him to win. I think it was more people that wanted him to win than wanting Notre Dame to lose in those situations. And you know this, Lef. Um, one of the most difficult things I've heard this uh, from high school coaches in Chicago, whether it's basketball, football, uh, talk to professional coaches. I've always heard that the most difficult thing to do as a head coach is be patient yeah. within a game. 
right? Because you always want to feel like either you want to get your you want to get your team caught up, or you want to get your team out in front, and you want to try and do it. You every every coach loves for it to happen on one play, right? You know what I'm saying? With kick return, whatever. And uh, Marcus Freeman panicked a little bit against Louisville. Plenty nine minutes left. You know, punt, get a stop, score. Then you got a top ten defense. I don't yeah, think you should go for it on that close. And then you put your defense that had been out there all night and was already on fumes. You give them another challenge, and it's like, you know, yeah, you put them in a bad position. So uh, I saw coaches do that all weekend in college football. Oh yeah, North Carolina's down there for a field goal with four minutes left. On fourth and 14, they go for it on fourth and 14 instead of taking the three and trying to get a stop. It's like, you know, you have to be patient. Now, I understand they probably didn't believe in their defense because they hadn't stopped Virginia all second half. But at some point, you have to say, we're North Carolina and they're Virginia. Like, get a stop. You know, we've seen college coaches panic and make this mistake consistently unnecessarily yeah yeah I think, uh, you know you, you want to stay on the offensive a lot of the times but mm-hmm. it's still a, a strategic type of game you have to play for moves that are made two or three steps down the line because of how it will affect you you in a time limit mm-hmm. provided you don't have good defense and you have to score late in the game you want to always play with giving yourself time at the end of the game uh, situationally thinking that your defense is going to keep it to within scoring range. And a lot of times defenses are going to give it up late game. So it's better mm-hmm. to be in the offense last mm-hmm. possession in college football more times than not. And I think Marcus Freeman could have waited on that fourth down because we had a sixth ranked defense in the country. There's no reason to think that you have to press the gas on offense with a with a defense rated that high. So situationally, you you want to play your defense as much as offensively you can, but thinking with them in mind, you thinking offense in mind, hoping defense to save you. No, use the offense to save your defense. Let them be the lead front, and especially in a game where we're not scoring how we should, or we're trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Play play offense defensively. By using your offense to put your defense in better positions, especially in a away game, you're trying to gain momentum. They clearly can't do anything, but if you give them short field, anybody can get lucky. And I think by by panicking in that situation, you gave them too much room to get creative with. And mm-hmm. you're playing against a good offensive coordinator who all he needs is just a little bit of space. And psychologically, you gave it to him because I don't think anybody in the stadium was thinking that we were going to do that, number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two, we were like, oh, yeah, you're going to try us like that? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, okay, we got something. <laughs> you, you gonna do, I know y'all know the name, but you're going to try us like that? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So you're going to get what you deserve, and I thought we did. But as long as he can identify situationally, get better in these last couple games that are manageable, yeah, you know, you you don't have to put too much brain power in terms of the the type of stakes the Ohio State game was, and 
even the Louisville game.